Turn with me to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. We're going to have a, as grandpa used to say, we're going to have a large time tonight. Colossians chapter one. All right, where's my, where's the living free crowd at? Y'all, y'all back there? All right. I got to make sure those, those, are my, those are my bodyguards. Eh? I love them guys and gals. Wonderful. All right, tonight we're going to talk about the upside down kingdom. The upside down kingdom. You ever heard of the kingdom of God? Glad you have. Has anybody ever heard of the kingdom of God? Glad you have because once you become a believer, tell me what the number one priority of your life is supposed to be. Jesus said it like this, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be taken care of. You just seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make this the priority of your life. Everything else will be there. So every believer, once we begin to follow Jesus, we have a new priority in life. And uh, that's what happens. All right, I'm going to show you something in Colossians. Wonderful verse about the transfer. You were transferred on the day you were born again. Colossians chapter one, verse 12. We're giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Is anybody here thankful to the father because he qualified us to receive everything Jesus died to give us? All right, that, that includes eternal life. One day we'll spend eternity with Jesus. It also includes things here. Now, verse 13 is what we want to look at. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed, what's the word conveyed mean? Transferred. Transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In verse 13, can you see two kingdoms? There is a kingdom called darkness and there's a kingdom called the kingdom of the son of his love or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light, whatever you want to call it. Can you see that on the day you were born again, you were transferred. God moved you from this kingdom to this kingdom. And uh, do you know what a king, let me explain to you what a kingdom is. You have to have two things to have a kingdom. You have to have a king and a dumb to have a kingdom. Is that not right? Well, king means somebody that's running the thing, somebody that's over it. What does dumb mean? Dumb is short for dominion. Uh, a dominion is not the king. The dominion is the sphere of influence that he's ruling over. You know, if I'm the mayor of Hall River, God forbid, but if I'm the mayor of Hall River, then I'm in charge, but I'm only in charge of the city limits of Hall River. I'm the king. That's my dumb minion, dominion. So a kingdom's got to have a ruler, somebody that's running it. What else does it have to have? A sphere of influence. And we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who runs the show. He rules in that kingdom. But when I place my life before the cross and I'm born again, all of a sudden I come under his dominion. And he's the one running my life now. And he's in charge of it. And there's a kingdom called the kingdom of God. Now, we're going to contrast this with some other kingdoms. The kingdom, I think he called it the power. It's called the kingdom of darkness. Another word for it in the Bible is the kingdom of this world. And listen to what the Bible said about the kingdom of this world. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him yet. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, when the Bible tells me to love not the world, is that talking about the planet? That God created the earth? No, no. We're supposed to love the planet. Take care of it. Pick your cans up. Is it talking about the people? No, because the Bible said God so loved the world 
That's the people of the world. What is it I'm not supposed to love? It is the system. It's the system that runs this world. It's the system that has dominion over this world. Surely you know this world has a system, a way of thinking, a way of living that we all get pressed into. He said, don't love that. He said, I've taken you out of that and I put you in another kingdom. You've got a new king and you've got a new dominion. Now let me throw this in for free. This for free. Do not confuse the kingdom of God with the kingdom of religion. You got the kingdom of this world. Everybody thinks a certain way and acts a certain way and we're expected to live a certain way and act a certain way. And then you got the kingdom of religion. Well, let me tell you the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of religion. The kingdom of God is what God is doing in the earth by his spirit. The kingdom of God is the activity of God in the earth right now by his spirit. The kingdom of religion is the activity of people doing things they think for God. And they may be good people doing good things, but it's not God working. It's just people working. We want to be in the kingdom of God. And we want to seek the kingdom of God, what he's doing in the earth right now by his spirit and by his power. And we've been transferred out of that kingdom of darkness that ruled us. Now we've been placed in a brand new kingdom. That happened on the day we were born again. And uh, there are some pictures of this. Uh, there's a picture of the kingdom of religion in the New Testament. That would be the Pharisees. You know, they had a religious system and they, they even rejected God in the name of God. And they thought they were serving God, but they ended up killing God. And they were just religious, but they didn't know the living God. And we don't want to do that either. All right, <clears throat> let me tell you what we have to do. We're born again, we get a brand new heart, but we still got our same old head. So we got to get something new. Now, now we've got to learn to live in this kingdom. I got a brand new heart and I, I'm qualified for the kingdom of God. I, I can experience God and walk in his goodness and he can take care of me and I can, I can, I can walk with him. But you've got to learn how to do it. Luke 12, 31 says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You have to seek it. Now I'm going to go to heaven no matter what happens to me. But I only experience the kingdom work of God in my life daily as I seek it. That's why every day I get up, every moment, I've got to seek the kingdom of God and put it first. I'm born again, but you can go through hell on the way to heaven. I want to go through heaven on the way to heaven. I want everything Jesus died to give me. That's called the kingdom of God in this earth. And we have to seek that. We have to go after it. All right. Let, let me tell you what this is like. <clears throat> it's sort of like moving to a brand new cult country with a different culture and you have to learn to adjust to it. You have to learn to change. My sweetheart and I, my wife, we were... Um, watching a movie a while back called Came and Went. You ever seen Came and Went? I thought it was wonderful. I don't think she liked it, but it was real good. It's one of the few movies where two people don't kiss at the end. It's good. It means it wasn't Hallmark. Anyway, we watched this movie. And uh, this high-powered actor developer was sent to a little tiny island in the Cayman Islands called Cayman Brack, which is just a small island about the size of Harker's Island, only 2,000 people. And they're just laid back Caribbean people. He was sent down there to transform that thing and to buy up land and turn it into the Disney World of the Caribbean. And they were going to put high-powered theme parks in it and make it an uppity, you know what uppity means, uppity place and all that. So he was sent down there to do that. And he got down there and he, you know, he landed on his plane and got in there and he's one of these hot shot, big movers, money's everything, get it done fast. He just didn't fit in. Because I don't know if you've ever been there or not, or one of those islands, you have to slow way down to be on that island. Matter of fact, the maximum speed limit is 25 miles an hour anywhere on the island. And nobody cares much about money. They got enough to eat. But most important thing to them is friendship. 
and they love each other and they get along great and they just live in little modest homes. And instead of seeking money and all this stuff and trying to climb the ladder, they just enjoy the beauty of what God created there. You know, they, they fish, they play with the sea turtles, they swim with the stingrays. And he goes down there and he just didn't fit in because, you know, he's, he came from another culture and had a hard time fitting in. And, of course, the whole purpose of the movie, which is why it was a spiritual picture, instead of him changing them, he got to like it and they changed him and he just stayed down there. Dear ones, to come out of the kingdom of our culture, our world, and move into the kingdom of God is as dramatic as moving into a new culture and learning a whole new way of life. We just have to think different. And you can have a brand new born again heart and an old head and you'll spend your whole life going, this ain't working, this ain't working, this ain't working. You got to get a new head to go along with your heart. And if you don't adjust, it just won't work. Listen to this scripture. Romans 12, 2 says this, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the what? The renewing of your mind. What does that mean? You got to learn to think different. You got to learn to see things different. You got to learn to see people different. You've got to get your priorities different if you're going to walk in the kingdom of God. And that's why we're called to transform our minds. <clears throat> I'm just going to throw this out. Most believers I know are born again. They love God. They're pretty good people. But they're still trying to live with a kingdom of this world mindset. And they've never been transformed mentally to the kingdom of God. They're trying to play kingdom of God rules with kingdom of world rules. Games of kingdom of world rules. For instance, if I'm a I'm a baseball player and I decide I don't want to play baseball anymore. I'm going to go play hockey. I'm going to be an ice hockey player, skater, star. Well, that's fine if you want to do that. But what if I go over and try to play ice hockey with baseball rules? It's not going to work. And the, and the people are going to look at me funny. And we're not going to get along and I'm going to be frustrated. And I'm not going to win. If you're going to go play ice hockey, you've got to adopt ice hockey rules. You've been trained all your life to think a certain way. You've been told how to think. You've been told what's important. You've been told how to view people. You've been told what your priorities should be. You come into the kingdom of God. You've been transferred into a brand new kingdom. If you don't learn to think a whole new way and live a whole new way, you're always going to be saying, this don't work. This don't work. And how many believers have told me, it don't work for me? It's not that Jesus don't work. It's not that his word don't work. You've never had your mind renewed so you can experience God's best kingdom. And all the promises just seem way out yonder to you. But well, then to come into the kingdom, you've got to learn how to live in this kingdom. And that's what the scriptures are for. That's what the word is there to teach us for. Um, let me just turn with me to Matthew 28. Let me throw something in here for free. Matthew chapter 28. Now, dear Jesus said, follow me. And uh, all of us hear the gospel. We hear that we're lost in sin. We're apart from God. We're damned doomed, cut off. There's nothing we can do, but we read that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And if you'll believe in him and put your faith in him and trust him, you can be born again and become a child of God. That's called the gospel. And the Bible said, we heard that. We hear that in Ephesians 1. We hear it. And then what do we do? In whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you were born again. When you trust Jesus, you're born again. You become a child of God. His spirit comes inside of you. But listen, that, that's not the that's not the end. That's the first step. Matthew 28 is what we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's when you accept Jesus, you get baptized. Verse 20 says this, Teaching them, what do we teach them? To observe all things I've taught you. 
So Jesus taught a lot of things. What did Jesus teach? Does anybody know what Jesus taught? What's the primary message Jesus taught on this earth? Well, what's the first thing he ever said when he began to teach? He said, turn around. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God on the earth. And Jesus said, now you go teach him how to live in the kingdom. And once we learn it, what are we supposed to do then? Teach him to do what? Now go practice it. Observe means practice. So we get born again and we say, you know, I, 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 I think a certain way. I believe a certain way. I treat people a certain way. Begin to teach me God's way. Begin to teach me kingdom ways and I'll go out and practice those ways. And that, that's what we give our lives to do. Now, I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God for a minute. <clears throat> Here's the first thing I want you to learn about. It, it is an upside down kingdom. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God aren't even close to each other. Now, in modern American Christianity, they're like this right here. We've got them real close. But the truth is the kingdom of God is upside down from the kingdom of this world. It's so different. If you ever saw a true, sold out, 100%, born again, disciple of Jesus Christ, you'd say, that's one weird dude right there. Because everything about him would be different. Because the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It's, it's totally opposite of the way this culture thinks. They're going to think you, they'll think you as weird as a $3 bill. Let me show you the upside down kingdom. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. See if you've ever seen this before. Acts chapter 17. All right, this is, of course, the book of Acts. It's where they're, they're Jesus' spirit's working in the earth. He's changing people's lives. They're setting up the kingdom. And I want you to look what they said about these people, these church folks, these Christian folks. Look what they said about Acts chapter 17. I believe it's verse 6. Uh, Acts 17. Now let's look down about verse. Uh, well, it's not in John 17. Biggest, what's wrong with you? Acts chapter 17. No wonder it didn't look right. All right. You, you don't have to be smart to be in the kingdom. You just have to have faith. All right. Now there, there's, a, there's a war going on because the, the, the church began to grow. People got mad. The believers were doing that. Everybody got upset. Big war going on. Verse 6, when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out. Now watch what they said about the church. These who have turned our world upside down have come here. What were the believers accused of in that day? Turning the world upside down. Let me make an announcement. They actually turned it right side up. Would you say that if somebody comes to town and all the leaders say, well, they've just turned this place upside down. Would you say it's different? It's an upside down kingdom. It's completely different when we see the kingdom of God and how it functions. So the first thing you need to know is that it's upside down. Now, I want to take a little time tonight. I don't want you to learn principles. I just want you to get this in your mind tonight. This kingdom is so different. And, and the kingdom life is so different from the American way of life and from the American religious way of life. And this book contains the principles of the kingdom that make, tell me the number one reason Jesus came to this earth. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came to this earth, not so I could just a few more weary days and suffer and then have a good life in heaven. Jesus came to give abundant life on this earth. It's called the kingdom of God. Here's one example of the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 said, the kingdom of God is not the food you eat. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is anybody here for some peace in this earth right now and some Holy Spirit joy and get things right? That's the kingdom of God. And it's what Jesus said. It was the first thing he said. Turn, you, turn around, repent. The kingdom is available. 
It's at hand. God's spirit will work in the earth today, but you've got to receive it. And you've got to seek that kingdom. I'm going to give you several principles. And they're just principles. It's just truths about the kingdom that we learn. But I just want you to see how weird it is, how upside down. And I want you to begin to learn them. Number one, let me give you several principles. In the kingdom of God, contrary to the kingdom of our culture, you gain by giving away. You get stuff by giving it away. That's one of the foundational kingdom principles. You get stuff by giving it away. We won't look at it, but if you want to make a note, Luke 6, 38 says this, give. What'll happen? And it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In other words, you're going to get a whole lot more than you give away. Well, men give into your bosom. One of the foundational principles of the kingdom of God, God working in the earth is, when you give it away, it'll come back to you. All right, let me illustrate this through scripture a little bit. And that we're not just talking about money here, although it does include money. It's talking about your time, your investment in people, even your life. Jesus said this, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and what I'm doing, you'll find the greatest life possible. The way you get in the kingdom of God is not to grab and hold, it's to give it away. To give it away. Let me give you some examples all through scripture. One day Jesus had a, a crowd and they needed feeding and they didn't have any food. And there was a little boy there who had a bag lunch. And in that bag lunch was five biscuits and two fillets. You remember? Five loaves and two. Just, they, weren't, they, weren't, I mean, they weren't big tunas. Just, two, just a boy's lunch. Five little biscuits and two fillets. And uh, you say, well, why didn't God just create food? Our God in this kingdom always takes the little bit we give him and then multiplies it. So he, they asked him, will you give the, now that was his lunch. His mama packed it for him that morning. He said, he said you know, Jesus holding a revival. I'm going to go hear him. She said, well, here, take his lunch with you. So he's got his lunch and they asked him, will you give it to Jesus? Will you give it away for the people's sake? Well, he's got to make a decision. I give him my lunch while I go hungry. I give him my lunch while I have nothing to eat. The kingdom of God is always set up on faith. And so he decided, I'll do it. He gave his lunch away. Does anybody know what Jesus did with that lunch? Another kingdom principle, multiplication. And he multiplied them five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. When that little boy went home that night, what did he carry with him? Does anybody know? Somebody got it. He carried 12 baskets home with him. You say, how do you know that? Who gave it? Give and it shall be given unto you. See, he, he took the faith risk and he gave it away. And I, I don't think he carried 12 baskets home. I think Jesus made the disciples carry it because one little boy couldn't carry all that much home. I think he went and I said, look here, mom, y'all just put it on the counter, boys. And I believe he took all that stuff home. Over and over and over, you see that in scripture where the Bible says, if you want something, give it away. Whatever you need, listen, if you have a need, what? Sow your seed. If you want to be happy, what do you do? Sit around and wait on somebody to make you happy. That's not kingdom, that's culture. That's the kingdom of this world. You want to be happy? Go make somebody happy. You want your heart healed? Go heal somebody's heart. Do you want peace? Go make peace with somebody. In the kingdom of God, you gain by giving away whatever you want. One of the great pictures of this, now at 1 Kings chapter 18, they were in a horrible drought. People were dying in famine in Israel at the time. And Elijah had been told by God, I found, I've got a woman, a widow woman, she's going to provide for you. So he goes and he sits down and she walks by and he said to her, would you please bake me some bread? She said, God is my witness. All I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I was just fixing to start a fire and bake that bread. And my son and I were going to eat it. And that's our last meal. We'll probably die. You think he might have looked up and said, so this is the one you're going to provide me for, huh? <laughs> then was the kingdom of God always operates on faith. 
And listen to what he said to her. Listen to this. He said, you will not die. First, first, you go bake me a cake. First, you go bake that bread and bring it to me. And you bring me what you've got, that little bit, and then make some for you and your son. And thus saith the Lord, until the day that rain comes in Israel again, the oil will not dry up, nor will the bin of flour go empty. Right, she got to make a decision. See, she's got this little bit just for her and her son. And this old overweight preacher, he's, he's wanting her bread. Well, what is, the, what's the kingdom, what is the kingdom principle? Hoard, give, and it'll be given to you, which doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense in the natural. But you know what? She made a decision. She did it. She went and cooked that one little cake of bread, gave it to him. And then the Bible said this, for three years, every time she reached for that oil bin, there was oil in it. Every time she reached for the flour bin, there was flour in it. All through scripture, you see that this is called living in the kingdom of God. It's called living in the presence of God. But do you see how weird it is to our way of thinking? So you got to have your mind renewed and you got to learn to think different. There's wonderful, wonderful stories here. <clears throat> For instance, the principle of tithing. The Bible said this, bring the tithe. The tithe is not 10% of your income. It's the first 10. It's the first fruits. And he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Test me. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that there's not room enough to receive it. And not only that, people say we're living in tough times. Let's read the next verse. I will rebuke the devourer and he will not touch or take away anything I've given you. You can live the rest of your life on that verse right there. But what's the principle? You got to give. And if you give it, it'll come back to you. Good measure. Press that. So that's just one of the kingdom principles that we hold to. And, and uh, now what's, what is the, how do we think in our culture? What's the kingdom of this world mentality? You got to get it. You better hold on to it. You hoard it. You, you grab it. Go get it, man. Number one, do you see how this is an upside down kingdom compared to the way pagans think? And all across our lives, we begin to learn these new principles about how the kingdom of God operates. All right, let me give you another one here. This is applicable. One of the kingdom principles is you fight fire with, not fire, you start to sound like Barney Fife. <laughs> One day Andy walks into the office and Barney's upset and he said, Andy, Andy, what do you fight fire with? And Barney said, Andy said, a, a water hose? <laughs> Barney said, no, no, you fight fire with fire. And Andy said, now Barney. And sure enough, Barney fought fire with fire and he got his britches set on fire. I don't know if you remember that episode or not. In the kingdom of God, what do you, there's a lot of fire in our land right now. A lot of fire in our homes and in people's hearts right now. What do you fight fire with in the kingdom of God? You don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with the love of God. You fight fire with the love of God. Let me, let me show you something. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And of course, the Sermon on the Mount is the foundational teaching for how we live in this kingdom. Matthew chapter 5. I love this passage right here. This is where Jesus said to the people following him, you've been taught to live like this all your life, but I'm telling you, start living different. And he named instant after instant. That's why he said, you have heard, but I say to you, you have heard, but I say to you. And here's one of them in Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Matthew 5, 43, read that with me. You've heard all your life and your culture has taught you through movies, entertainment, education, even in some churches. Love those who love you and do what? Hate those who hate you. Isn't that how we live in this land? 
I'm good to my friends. If you're ugly to me, I'll be ugly back. Isn't that how we live? It's called the law of reciprocity. All right, watch this. What's the next verse say? Verse 44, but I say to you, I'm changing the way you think, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. I, I heard it. I just heard somebody, you know what I heard somebody think out there? They'll run all over you. You need your mind renewed. Do, do you see the two kingdoms right there? I'm going to be good to those who are good to me, but if you're bad to me, I'll be bad to you. I'm going to fight fire with fire. You're good to me, I'll fight fire with fire. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. When, when people talk ugly about you, you talk good about it. That's what bless curse means. It doesn't mean cuss you out like Texas cussing. Curse you means to speak ugly to somebody. Bless means speak well of somebody. When people are running you down, you talk about how good they are. Do you see the upside down of the kingdom, how, how crazy this is to our way of thinking? Well, friend, to follow Jesus means to begin to learn a new way to think and live. You say, but if, if you live like that, somebody kill you. Who is God? Who is your God? How many of you know we've got to learn to trust him? The whole kingdom is built on trust. And we begin to fight fire with the love of God. Romans chapter 12 says this. Don't ever avenge yourself. Don't ever make it right yourself. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't fight fire with fire, but overcome evil with good. Now, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Let me remind you of Proverbs 15, verse 1. When people get upset and angry and they come down on you, how do you handle it? So I'm not tell out of them. That's what I do. <laughs> no, that's wrong kingdom. Wrong kingdom. Proverbs 51 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath. What do you stop anger with? Not fire, you stop it with a soft answer. Isn't this strange? But what happens if we don't function as kingdom people? Let me tell you something, it'll work. You say, you say not a minute, you're going to get killed. God backs up his kingdom. God intervenes. Now, how does the kingdom of this world operate? You fight fire with fire. You talk ugly about me, I'll talk ugly about you. You blow up against me, I'll blow up against you. You hurt me, I hurt you. Isn't that the kingdom of this world? Listen to what the Bible said. I'm going to finish quoting Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer increases anger. You fight fire with fire, you just make it hotter. And you just make it worse. What's going on in this nation right now? Galatians 5.15 says this. If you bite and devour one another, you'll be destroyed by one another. We're not living by kingdom principles in this nation right now, and we're destroying one another. That's just one of the great kingdom principles. Now, let me give you another one. And by the way, you'll need to remember number two. You probably get to use that for long <laughs> if you're married. Number two, you need to remember that. Number three, I love this one right here. The way up is down. How many of you know that the way up is down? Now, see, we think the way up is up. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, where the Bible teaches us that the way up is down. I'm going to show you what to do next time you get invited to a wedding. Boys, you have to go. The way, because Jesus said go. Mark chapter 9. Listen, quit fussing about going to weddings, boys. I have, I have performed 372. You ain't been there yet. Mark chapter 9. You talk about something that just is, goes completely against the grain of our society. Look in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Mark 9, 33. When he came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked his disciples, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Got it? 
They're walking. They'd been to another place and they're walking to Capernaum. And Jesus, I think he must have been out front and he hears them behind him. They're fussing. His followers are sort of arguing, but they're keeping it down, you know, because you can't argue in front of God. So they're back there and they're fussing a little bit. So they finally get in the house, sit down, and fix it. He said, hey, what was y'all fighting about back there? What were you disputing, arguing about? What were you arguing about on the road? And uh, verse 34, they kept silent. You know what that means? They knew they were busted. They kept silent, the Bible said, for on the road they had argued among themselves who would be the greatest. They in a fight over who's going to be number one in the camp, number two in the camp. Jesus is number one. I don't want Jesus' spot, but I'm going to be number two. Don't we all want to get the next, don't we all want to get above other people? Do you remember James and John, their mama came to Jesus and said, I want to ask you something. She said, now James and John, they're my boys. They don't want the big seat. You can have the big seat, but I want them on each side of you. See, they thought he was going to set up an earthly kingdom and she wanted them to be vice presidents, co-vice presidents. Can they sit on each side of your kingdom? And Jesus said, that's not, that's up to my father. And the Bible said the other disciples got mad at him for asking. It wasn't because they were unspiritual, because they wanted that spot. And Jesus said, what were y'all arguing about? And they said, we were having a discussion on who's the greatest preacher ever. Who's the greatest ball player? Who's the great? Everybody wants to go up in this world. Watch what Jesus said about his kingdom. Verse 35. And he sat down, and he called the 12, said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all. And what? Servant of all. The way up is down. If you want to be promoted to the top, go down. And it's not necessarily that you take the least paying job. It's an attitude, a hard attitude. I know a lot of men who love to, the only verse they know is that uh, the wife is to honor the husband in the house. It's the only verse some men know. Let me make an announcement. God ordained men, men and fathers, husband and fathers, to be the head of their house. Didn't think I'd get anything on that. You know what it means to be the head of your house? It's not King Kong, not King Kong dude, it's King Jesus. You know what it means to be the head of your house? You're the number one servant in that house. You serve your wife. You serve your kids. You put yourself last. You say, I don't know if I want to be head or not. Yeah, you do. <laughs> God's kingdom is an up, down, upside. Is Jesus not the Lord of everything? Did he not come to serve and be, and instead of being served? Jesus is the greatest servant that ever lived. Listen to what the Bible said. Because he became the servant of all, God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. If you want to be great in this earth, you say, well, we shouldn't want to be great. What did Jesus just say right there? He who desires to be first or great, serve. And instead of wanting to climb to the top of the ladder, you be the one to pick up the trash on the way in. You, you understand the whole, the kingdom principle is the way up is down. Let me show you something in Luke 14. Let's go to the weddings, boys. Here, here's Jesus' word on going to a wedding. And this applies to the company you work in. This applies to dinner at your in-law's house. This applies to being in your church. All over, everybody on this planet is jockeying for position. And Jesus wants you to pick the right seat. This is one of the great principles. Luke 14, verse 7. Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. He's at a wedding. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying, all right, let's hang on a minute. Jesus has been invited to a wedding. He got there early. So him and the boys just sit on the side. And Jesus is watching people come in. And he's watching them walk in. You got to understand, it's not like this in our culture. In that culture, the more important you were, the closer you sat to the head of the table. And it was supposed to be the most important person sat at the head, and then you went down the table in the order of your less importance. You understand that? You know, the VIP sat up front, and then the last one at the table, he'd pee on. You know, that's the one that had never done much of nothing. 
And then that whole culture was, uh, was ranked. The greatest to the least is how it was. And so Jesus is watching them. He's watching them walk in and he's watching how they walk straight to the front seat. And they, they want the first seat. They want to be recognized. I remember one time I had a crusade in the city and preachers got in a fight on who could sit on the platform and be seen up there with the evangelist. Mercy. I'm still working on this thing. All right, watch what Jesus said about this. Verse 8, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best seat. Lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come to you and say, give this man your place. And then you begin with shame to be moved to the lowest seat. When you're invited to a wedding, go sit in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Now, you know, good and well, Jesus is not talking about a wedding feast here. He's talking about everything in our life. This is a kingdom principle. Well, let's just go ahead and read the next verse. Here's, here's the verse. Verse 14, uh, excuse me, verse 11. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled or brought down. He who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a kingdom principle. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be blessed and taken up and given responsibility, what do you do? You don't go up there yourself. You lower yourself and let God put you there. What does the Bible say happens to every person who wants to be a superstar? What do they do? God's going to bring you down. He, he brings people down like that. What does he do to those who humble themselves and say, I'm just here to serve? I, I don't need a position. I don't need anybody to recognize me. I don't want my wife to bow down when I come in the door. That should have got amen right there. I don't want to be on the board because I've been here 20. I just want to serve. And when you adopt that attitude that you'll take the lowest seat, guess what God's going to do? He's going to say, friend, come up higher. But if you say, ain't many people smart as me. I ought to be running this company. The idiots don't know what they're doing. Stupid government. They ought to put me in charge. Guess who's going to take you down to zero level? See the, see the inverted kingdom, upside down kingdom. Used to be a song. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all and uh, this is one of the great God is looking for somebody to humble themselves and say all I want to do is serve people I'll take the lowest position and God just move them up uh, let, me, let me give you a parallel here Satan was a created being who wanted to rule God threw him down Jesus was the almighty who wanted to serve so God raised him up and this principle is in effect all across the land. What have we got all across this nation? It's getting a bit, how many of you are excited that it's election year? <laughs> and guess what? Everybody's saying in election, I, I just want to serve. I, I'm a nobody. I just want to serve. I wish the Lord had flushed a whole bunch and we start over the brand new. And I ought to get an amen here somewhere, shouldn't I? I thought we'd get something there. It's kingdom principle. Now, what's our culture think? Race to the top. I want, the, I want the corner office. I want, to be, I want to be the big dog. I want the top position. I want to be recognized. Wrong kingdom, Doc. In the kingdom of God, you go down to go up. And uh, who does the upping and the downing? My boss is not in charge of my life. My God is in charge of my life. My preacher doesn't run my life. My God runs my life. In the kingdom of God, the king has dominion. That's why it's called a kingdom. He rules if we, if we walk according to his word. Do you understand all the, these are just, this is a whole crazy way of living and we're still in the middle of an upside down culture. Let me do one more for you real quick. Here's another one. You achieve much by resting. If you want to really accomplish something, you have to rest. Now, that sounds crazy to people. Turn with me to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. 
Oh my goodness, one of the great principles. I'm watching, I, I was talking to somebody, I guess they were 30, 31 years old, and they talked about being burned out. Burned out? You, you ain't even out the gate, Doc. <laughs> you ain't got started good yet. What do you mean burned out? Oh, we've got a generation of people that are worn out, tired, burned out because they don't know how to rest. And I'm not talking about taking a nap. We don't know how to rest. It was, what's the first thing man ever did after he was created? Somebody remember? All right, God created the heavens and the earth. He put light, he prayed vegetation, put the animals in. What's the, what did he, when was man created? Do you remember? It was the last thing God created at the end of the sixth day. What was the next day? Sabbath rest. What's the first thing man ever did when he was created? He got created and then he rested. That's upside down from the way we think. Then until you learn to enter into his rest, you'll never accomplish anything. You'll be tired, burned out, and you'll be mad because nobody cooperates. And you'll be frustrated. And I won't enjoy listening to it. You've got to learn to rest. Watch this, Psalm 127. Here's one of the great truths. Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. You're wasting your time. Now, this is not talking about a physical house. This is talking about your life, your home, your family, a church, a business. Unless God puts his hand on it, all that struggling is going to be useless. And then once he builds it, look what else he's got to do. <clears throat> and uh, the Bible said the watchman, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You, there ain't no sense trying to keep it going. Only God can keep going what he builds. Your family, your children, whatever. Watch this. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows. Bread of sorrows means to struggle till you're worn out. What the Bible say? You can get up early. You can work hard. You can stay up late working. You can struggle, wasting your time. Now watch this. So he gives his beloved when they rest in him. How do you accomplish things in the kingdom of God? Not by striving and fighting and getting up early and wearing yourself out. You rest in God and you relax in God. Now, now we've got our part. I got some folks real good at resting. It's not what I'm talking about. We have our part to play. I had to be a father to my children. I had to teach them right from wrong. I had to teach them the word. I had to go to work and provide for them. I had to love them. But let me tell you something. Written on my soul was this, because I wanted my children to do well, just like you do. I wanted my kids to have a great life and be happy and be successful and be balanced and be, pr I wanted my kids to do well. But, and I did my part. And I, but written across my soul was this, unless God makes it happen. Unless the Lord builds the house, I'm wasting my time. I can learn and study and, and cry and moan and do everything I can do and threaten. But unless God raises those children, I'm wasting my time. And he blessed me because I learned to rest in him. Marriage, man, marriage is, marriage is miracle time. That means it takes a miracle. Well, you can read all the books you want to, and you've got to do your part. Learn how to be married. But unless God puts his hand, listen, unless the Lord builds the house, churches, businesses, the whole kingdom is set up that we do our part, but all of our confidence is in the hand of God being on our homes, our lives, our churches, everything we've got. Let me, uh, it's just a total trust in him. Let me show you something. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Boy, Americans have the hardest time resting and trusting God. Because Americana says, if it is to be, it's up to me. No, it's not. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. 
First Corinthians chapter three, let me show you how life works. And this is everything. This is a school, a business, a family. First Corinthians chapter three, verse six says this. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. You see, I can have a family. I can go to work. I can do this. I can start a church. I can start a business. I can plant. I can water. I got my part. Who makes it grow? Only God can give the increase. Only God can make it do well. I love verse seven says this. He who plants, he who waters is not anything. He who gives the increase. The whole issue is to let God put his hand on. All right now. I'm going to give you, for instance, this is in my line of work. You can apply it to your line of work or raising children or raising goats, whatever you want to do. I don't care. I'll give you, for instance, my job is church. That's what I do for a living. I'm a pastor. And my job is to build a church, great church for Jesus. We're going to win the city for Jesus, all that stuff. All right? There's certain ways you can do that. And you can go get an education. I I, I got a friend uh, fixing to move to town here. He's got four advanced degrees in ministry. Uh, and, and you can learn how to do this stuff. And today you got to get, you got to get, you got to, the preacher's got to be hip. He's got to be relevant. Got to have his shirt tail out. Got to have disco lights and smoke machines. You've got to have funky music. Got to have beer in the lobby, coffee in the lobby, whatever. You know, everything, you just got, all this stuff will make them come. It'll make them come. And then you can have a big, great church. Have a big, big church. I don't be great, a big church. Yeah, but we got to do this stuff to get the people in. We got to do this. I don't believe that. Now I got to do my part. I got to pray. And I got to teach. But when, we, when I came here uh, 140 years ago, this little tiny church had no money and in a, a rundown little town, I'm not being unkind, it's just the mill had shut down and there wasn't much there, a little out, out of the pathway. And, and uh, I came here by accident. Bob Dyer called me. I came to fill in one Sunday. And uh, it was the strangest thing because I, th- I just filled in one Sunday because they had a preacher coming and I filled in and the whole time I'm preaching, the spirit of God was there. And I, I'm, I said, well, what are you doing here? I almost turned and said, what are you doing here? And I just had this weird feeling the whole time. Well, I got, I got done, got out as quick as I could and I went back and I just sat down in my truck. I, I said, what was that all about? And the spirit of God spoke to me and said, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Well, I went into immediate depression. I knew what that meant. And he spoke to me and he said, I'm sending you there because I want to help people. Here's your instructions. No church growth methods. You don't need to help me. No church growth methods. Uh, No outreach program. Don't put on some fancy outreach. I know how to get the people there. And number three, don't ever mention money. They don't have none. Don't say nothing. Don't ever ask for a dime. No fundraisers. No nothing. You just pass the plate once a week. Don't even say you take an offering. And he said, trust me. I said, well, good. I don't want to do it anyway. We had a guy here, he's our congressman, Mark Walker, and Mark was a pastor. He, he said, this is the strangest church I've ever been in. He said, y'all don't do nothing right here. And he said, but God's blessing people's lives. You know why? Because unless the Lord builds the house. And I, I just thought, I'm going I'm to do like Elijah. Y'all know who Elijah was. He the dude that took that lady's cake. One day Elijah was building an offering to God and he put the wood, he put the bull on there. And, and before he prayed, he said, wait a minute. He said, bring me seven barrels of water and pour that water all over that altar. And the Bible said they saturated that off altar with the wood and the, the bull and it, and it ran down the truck, ran off. He said, I, and, then, and then he said, I wanted it good and wet. Now I'm going to pray. And he prayed and the Bible said the fire of God fell and consumed the offering and it changed people's lives. What was that water stuff? I mean, no, you can start a fire without water. You know what the water stuff was? 
I want to make sure people know this ain't me. I want people to know this is God. My faith is in God and I'm trusting him. And unless the Lord builds that fire, I'm praying in vain. Does we have a, have a kingdom attitude that says, not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And God's going to bless his family, but he's going to do it. And I'm going to do my part. I'm going to cook and clean house. Amen. Didn't think I'd get amen out there. I'm going to cook and clean house. I'm going to teach the Bible. We're going to take them to church. I'm going to love them. I'm going to straighten them out when they're wrong. Thank God somebody remembers the old stuff. That's another kingdom principle. I'm going to love them with all my heart, but only God can make this house fly. Only God can make this business fly in these crazy days. It's not up to me. If it is to be, it's not up to me. It's up to him. I'm going to do my part. And that's a kingdom principle that says, I'm trusting God. Listen, you, that's your life. Dear ones, I'm not trying to be a good Christian or a good preacher. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Now I'm doing my part. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I know this. You know, I think I told you, I got in trouble for saying, if God don't give me grace, I'll be cussing somebody out by dark. Of course, it's about dark now. I might can make it on my own now, but I think that was a Sunday morning. But I'm going to tell you something. If God don't give me grace, I'll be in trouble. Now I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to act like an idiot and stick myself in a place of temptation, but I'm trusting God. Our hope's in Him. And that's for my family. That's for this church. That's, that's, listen, I'm old. I can't work hard no more. How am I going to pay, how am I going to, how am I going to pay my bills? I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. I'm going to pay tithes and trust Him to take care of me. It's trusting God. And uh, that, that's just one of those great kingdom principles. Now, what's our culture's principle? If it's to be, it's up to me. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can, we can do this. No, we can't do this. God's going to do this. And that's a kingdom principle that you trust God in everything. All right, let me, let me quit by saying this. <clears throat> you, you have to understand these kingdom truths. To be able to live in the kingdom, you have to learn the truths. You have to learn the principles. And then what do you do? Teach them to observe all these things I've commanded you. So we learn kingdom principles. Then what do we do? We go out tomorrow and do what? Let's try this out. Let's try this out. I guarantee you're going to get tested tomorrow. Somebody's going to get mad at you tomorrow. I've already prayed about it. Somebody's going to get in your face tomorrow. They're going to get up behind you and blow the horn, give you the finger. Somebody's going to test you tomorrow. I'm going to make it even worse than that. It ain't going to be car to car. It's going to be face to face. Mask, mask, mask. Face to face. And you're going to get a chance to find out that a soft answer will turn away that wrath. So you learn it and then you go practice it. And you're going to get a chance to practice these principles. And guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to practice them and you're going to go, that was God right there. God did that. Then you're going to get excited about the kingdom. You're going to say, tell me, tell me something else I can do that, where you'll do something. That's called seeking you first the kingdom. And then you're going, to, you're going to start living in the kingdom. And you're going to be a kingdom man or woman. And then your born again heart's going to line up with your life. You're going to be a kingdom person. And you're going to, end up, you're going to be like Gomer Powell saying, golly. Praise God. What's our prayer? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. The way it's being done in heaven. But it comes as I learn the principles and then begin to what? Put them in practice. Let me give you a closing word about kingdom principles. All righty. It always requires trust. God has set this thing up so that you have to trust him. You have, above everything else, he loves to be trusted. That's why the Bible says, says he takes no delight in the horse. He takes no delight in the legs of a man, human, human effort. God takes delight in those who trust him. And he wants to put you in a position where you got to trust him. 
And the whole kingdom is set up so that, you say, well, if God doesn't come through, I got money in the bank. That's not kingdom. That's your, that's the kingdom of the world. He wants you in a place where if he doesn't come through, you're sunk. He loves that stuff. Man got too close to the edge of a cliff one day and he fell over. And as he went over, he grabbed hold of a little branch that was sticking up there. He's hanging up there and he's in trouble because it's a long way down there. And he hollers. He says, help, help. Is anybody up there? And the voice says, yes. He said, oh, good. He said, who are you? And the voice said, this is God. He said, will you help me? He said, I'd be glad to help you. He said, amen. And then the voice of God said, turn loose of the branch. Man hollers, anybody else up there? <laughs> see, see, you know what we, we want to, I'd be glad to have you help, but there was the kingdom is set up so that you have to trust him. Everything is to trust God. I don't know if it's true or not, probably not, as my wife would say, probably not because the preacher told it. But there was a man who run a, he, he ran a cable across Niagara Falls, had a crowd out there and he walked all the way across it and came back and they cheered. He, run, he took a wheelbarrow and run that wheelbarrow across that cable and brought it back. Oh, they thought that was great. Then he put a huge rock in it, run it out there and brought it back. They're just cheering. And he took that, he, he looked down the fellow. He said, do you think I could push a man across this thing? He said, I know you could. He said, get in. <laughs> he said, he believed. No, he didn't. You don't believe till you trust. You don't believe you put all your weight on it. You, I, I want you to trust God so that if he don't come through, there's nothing else so you can watch him come through. That, that the whole kingdom is set up. The American church is set up so that if God don't come through, we can handle it. I want you to live in the kingdom where he has got to come through. You have never had fun till he catches you all the time. And you totally depend on And listen, if you're, you've already been transferred in the kingdom, live in it. Live in it. It's set up to depend on him. Now, it's an upside down kingdom. You got to remember this. What's the, what's the main thing you have to do to live in God's kingdom? You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because this kingdom doesn't make a bit of sense. If you look in the checkbook and you say, well, we're low on money. Honey, we're low on money. I don't think we can pay our bills. And my answer would be, well, we'll write a check for $500 and send it to the orphanage. She said, no, 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 you didn't understand what I said. I said, we're low on money. <laughs> this kingdom don't make a lick of sense. I've had people come to me and say, do you not hear what they're saying about you? I said, yeah, I heard, I heard. Shh, be quiet, be quiet. Find people. Here, take them this gift card and let them go out to eat. You know what that's called? Blessing those who curse you. Ken Helzer was sitting there one night watching TV years ago. His wife came in and she had the checkbook and she said, we're not going to make it. She said, we, we just, I don't see how we can make it. Because, you know, they have faith ministry. People mail in money and he, he collect money for singing. He said, we, I just don't think we can make payments this month. And he reached over and took the checkbook, reached down beside his chair, got the Bible, laid them both on the table, said, we're going to settle this right now. He said, sit down, woman. <laughs> sit down, right? He said, we're going to settle this right now. And he said, once we've made a decision, we're not going to look back. And he said, which one of those books are we going to trust? If we're going to trust that checkbook, I'm going to go get a job and get out of the ministry. But if we're going to trust God's book, it'll be there. That's called faith. That's, called, that's the greatest place in the world to live. You hadn't had no fun until Jesus says, step out of the boat. Go ahead. But listen, the only way you'll ever find out if the water's concrete is to step out. I love this faith stuff. It's just wonderful. But you've got to trust him because I'm going to tell you something about this kingdom. And we're close by. If you're still in 1 Corinthians 3, turn one page back, read verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 
The natural man does not receive the things of the kingdom or spirit of God, their foolishness to him. The kingdom of God will never make a lick of sense in the natural. But let me tell you something. He rules. And we've got to reach a place where we say, I don't care if it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. If God said it, I'm going to do it. If he tells me a rooster will pull a freight train, I'm going to hook him up. And we've got to always, we always live asking this. What is the kingdom of God in this matter? In this situation with my family, with my, my attitude, even my hobbies, what is, what is the kingdom of God principle that applies here? Something happens. Something just blows up. You say, whoa, 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 don't, don't do what you feel like doing. What does the kingdom of God say right here? How do I seek the kingdom in this matter right here? Anything that happens to you, you always ought to be asking, what's the kingdom right now? What, what do I do to be in the kingdom right now? Now listen, if you get out of the kingdom and live like a lost person, he's not going to hate you. He's not going to be mad. He's not going to throw you away. You're just going to lose the blessing. But we want to think kingdom. We got to start thinking kingdom. I, I had a fellow come see me one day, and this has happened a few times, and he was real discouraged. He was a dairy farmer. And we sat on the front porch. He's upside. I said, what's wrong with you? He looked at me and said, preacher, do you understand women? I said, doc, only God understands women. I said, I said, social distancing girls. I said, women don't understand women. This ain't going over so good, is it? I said, they're upset. You asked them, what's wrong, baby? I don't know. They don't understand. You know what his problem was? He, he was married to a woman. And you know why they weren't making it? Because he wanted that woman to think like a man. God have mercy. What if women thought like, of course, this crazy culture we're living in. Here, here's the deal. Guys, she's not going to think like a man. If you hadn't figured that out, what are you, single? You should know that by now. Guys, you're going to have to learn to think like a woman. Never mind. Number four. You just, you're going to have to learn to think kingdom and get off of the old way of thinking. You've got to start thinking different in this to, to get a lot. Listen to me. All right, time out. <laughs> Buy some flowers, hold her purse, watch Hallmark movies, try to understand her feelings. All right. One last word. You've got to live believing blessed are those who seek the kingdom. You've got to live that God's looking for somebody to bless if they'll walk in the kingdom. If you'll do his ways, listen, you have no idea what he'd do for you if you'd become a kingdom person as a believer. I want to show you one more scripture and then we're done. Turn to Psalm 128. The Lord showed me this years ago when I confessed to him, I don't know what I'm doing. I really shouldn't make it in life but I'm trusting you. Psalm 128. Now, dear ones, God doesn't do great things for you because you're saved. He does great things for you because you walk in the kingdom. Amen. It's the kingdom that he blesses. And uh, we're always going to be tempted to go back to the old kingdom. But we've got to seek you first, the kingdom of God, and stay in it. I want you to remember this psalm. I want you to meditate on it and just hold it. And I want you to believe it. Psalm 128 says this, blessed is who? Every single person who fears the Lord, just means you believe in God, honor him, and who does what walks in what? Kingdom ways, God's way. You learn how to, you learn how to fight fire with love. You learn how to go down instead of trying to get to the top. 
You learn how to give instead of grabbing. You learn kingdom ways. Blessed is every person who practices kingdom ways. Watch what it says. You will eat the fruit of your, you will eat the labor of your hands. You'll be happy. It'll be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. And if you're a woman, you can turn around and say husband. In the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants are all around your table. Thus shall the man be blessed by God who honors the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion. You'll see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. You'll see your grandchildren and peace be upon Israel. What were you looking for? Did he not promise you right there that if you'll walk in kingdom ways, you'll find happiness? Didn't it say that right there? You shall be happy. What's everybody in America looking for? Why are we so unhappy right now? I saw recently happiness is the all time low. You said that's because of COVID, the lockdown. I understand that. 14, I'm going to go ahead and put it at 15%. Uh, survey in March, national survey, 15% of Americans say they're uh, surely happy. 85% say not so much. You say, well, that's because of the lockdown. In 2018, when there was no COVID, only 30% of Americans said they're really happy. What's the Bible say right here? And happiness comes from heaven. All right, you'll eat the labor of your hands. You know what that means? You're going to get a job. It's going to work out well and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be blessed in your job. God blesses your employment. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Obviously, it's a picture that your home's going to be blessed. You marry, God's going to make your marriage good. God's going to bless your children. Your children like all the plants around your table, not some bozo's table, your table. My girls belong around my table, not some clown's table. Do you understand what, I, what I'm saying here? And not only that, what does it mean, children? You're going to grow old like this and there's going to be peace on your life. What were you looking for? Listen, learn kingdom and do what? Walk in kingdom ways. Practice it and watch what happens in our lives. All right, so here's what we've seen tonight. Very simply, you got to learn kingdom ways. I didn't know this stuff. I was born again. I thought, I thought you just got a new heart and then you sang loud and went to heaven one day when you fell over. <laughs> I didn't know the kingdom was in the earth right now. I was taught where I got saved, you just suck eggs and suffer and sing loud and be mad at all them sinful people. I think it's just mad because they can't sin anymore. And then one day you'll get yours. Let me tell you, the kingdom is at hand. God's working in the earth today. He's good. But I have to live in the kingdom to experience kingdom goodness. Amen or oh me? We're going to spend some time with the kingdom of God. And there's a whole lot more than just those three or four that I mentioned right there. Let's learn kingdom ways begin to practice them. Y'all are so sweet sitting in here. <laughs> Let's practice them when, it, when it's not in here. All right, Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you. Thank you that the kingdom is at hand. Thank you that the Lord is at hand. Thank you that the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. I thank you and praise you that as a good father, you've told us, seek first my kingdom, seek kingdom life in the earth, all these things will be added to you. I'll, I'll take care of your bills and your job and I'll handle other stuff. You just seek to walk in the kingdom. And then Lord Jesus, I love the next verse. Don't you ever be afraid, little child. It is your father's joy to give you the kingdom. I want to pray for every person in this room. Thank you that the eyes of our hearts are opened and we see the beauty of God's kingdom. And in our hearts is a spark of hope and joy that, Lord Jesus, I don't know the other way to say it. This stuff works. The kingdom works in the earth. We will see the hand of God in our lives as we begin to walk in the kingdom and learn kingdom principles, put in practice in our lives. Lord Jesus, I'm not the least bit mad at people who live in that other kingdom. I wish they could know the joy of your kingdom.
trust you for that. I pray for every person in my church, every single one, that they won't just be saved on the way to heaven. I pray they become kingdom people who experience the great blessing of God. I trust you for that. Thank you for your kindness and mercy. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.